You're listening to Shut Up and Invest. We are officially live. Another episode of Shut Up and Invest. We appreciate you guys joining us. I got my man Jay Money in the house. What's up, boss? What's going on, Kevin, man? How you doing? Everything is blessed. Same over here, man. I'm in Michigan today, so a little bit colder, no water, but uh, still the same grind. So I, I did notice the backdrop. It looks a little bit more. Uh, you got a jacket on, first of all. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> you, you got the sniffles. So it just doesn't seem like you were in Puerto Rico. Nah, man, my allergies are affecting me up here. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm allergic to the cold, so I got to get back, get back to the motherland. <laughs> Listen, today, guys, who are joining us, and if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome to our show. Here we basically break down all the different aspects of investing in the real estate game. Sometimes we even talk about different other return on investments and investment strategies that we do. Right now, today's show is about a big question between the differences of private money and hard money. There's some confusion. People use those terms different. And I'm going to tell you from my perspective as a private money or hard money lender, what that how it's usually used. But I will give a disclaimer. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person you're speaking to is using it in the way we're going to break it down. And we'll kind of get into all that, the different specifics, different uh, guidelines, negotiating tactics, how to raise money. We're going to get into all that today. Definitely. Yeah, I've been up here in Michigan since last Wednesday. And so literally pretty much every day I've been out raising private money, right? Talking to private lenders, right? Trying to secure, you know, future lenders and just kind of solidifying you know our current lenders right so a good topic we get a lot of questions about private money so let's kind of break into it yeah and and the fact that you mentioned that is a good good place to start you want to build relationships with your lenders uh you want to have at least i would say two or three go-to people because my taste and my what we call credit box or guidelines is not going to fit every single possible deal. So yes. if you have two or three different people, some of them may like certain deals that others do not. Um, some of them, their terms may be a little bit different. So I would say you don't want to have 20 because then you never really build a relationship with any of them. Um, unless you have 20 kind of like joint venture partners that are funding your deals and they just want to return on investment and you're raising money that way, that's different. And that's called private money. And that's kind of what we're going to get into today. Yeah. Another thing too, though, is like, you know, you realize that, um, and I'm talking about private money because I'm here, you know, me and we're private lenders. These are private individuals, you know, who have, you know, loan maybe 50,000, maybe 500,000, right? So these are just private, private individuals. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. <laughs> grandpa wish that I am. I am a grandpa now. <laughs> right. That's what you're doing in Michigan. You became a grandpa, huh? Yes, I did. Yeah. April 2nd. I'm a first grandson. Right. So I'm officially in that 
in that club of a little bit more wisdom, I, I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a little but, more wisdom and a lot more uh, money needed to spoil the grandkids now. Yeah, yeah, money. <laughs> private money. Need more private money. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I'll say, too, is, you know, a, a lot of lenders are different as far as, like, some private money lenders, they want to know everything you do, right? Like, we have some that want to know every single detail to, like, marketing and, and everything else. Others just say, hey, what's my return, right? And then besides the return, they want to know you, right? They want to know more about you and trust you, right? So it depends and there's a balance, you know, like like you, you have to have kind of a, what we call it, kind of a story, a quick story that when you meet with your lender, right, you give them a quick one to two minute story. You don't want to just dive deep into everything because some people, they're going to get lost, right? So you learn that the more and more you talk to people trying to raise funds. Yeah. So I guess let's start off with what I define as private money versus hard money. So the term is used, you know, a lot to describe any kind of money that is not the traditional money. So we're going to kind of give you a way to think about it. But even if you're having a conversation and someone says private money, they may be talking about hard money and it may not be necessarily private. It may be what I call institutional money. So we would be considered hard money lenders, for example, myself, because I have institutional money. I have guidelines. I have a process. I do multiple loans. It's our business. This is what we do. So mm -hmm. a lot of people would consider us hard money lenders. That doesn't mean that I don't do private money as well so private money is more like you know bob who's got a hundred and fifty thousand dollars and he's willing to lend you the money and you guys come up with terms and this isn't his business this is just money that he has that he's willing to invest he may have a lot of it he may have a couple million and he might be willing to do a couple deals with you and you might you know, find him to be your funding person. That is kind of what we break down in the industry as like private money. People specifically that are interested in investing, but they're not institutionalized company that has, you know, the standard operating procedures. This is what they do. They have guidelines, they lend money. This is more kind of like one-on-one -on -one relationship based whether they're doing one deal or they're going to do 50 deals for you, they're not necessarily your traditional hard money lenders that have a process. Is that kind of the same way you look yeah. at it? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the way, right? You know, a hard money lender, usually you find them, right? They're usually, uh, they're usually licensed, right? They have a broker's license. They offer hard money terms, right? So like you said, it's, it's your institutional money, right? So it's like your hedge funds that say, hey, Kevin, Here's a loan program we have that we offer, and then Kevin can you know shop that program out to the buyers. Whereas the private lenders are private lender. That this could be your aunt, this could be your you know next door neighbor, this could be you know an in law, it could be a friend, it could be your doctor, your dentist, right? Those are private lenders who like you know they're not their money's not into a fund that's out there going. They're just saying, hey, I got I got a hundred grand in my four hundred one k. The market's going crazy. I think I need to diversify some. Let's put some in real estate, right? What can you do? And then, but you, you look at them the same way. You're offering them a return on their funds, just like it would be 
um, any kind of stock return or anything else, right? So that's one key thing I've realized. When you're talking to private lenders, you need to talk to them about their portfolio as a whole, you know? So, hey, we're we're giving you a way where you can kind of diversify your portfolio to real estate. That's what we offer, right? Yes, you know, your stocks, your bonds are good, you know, your, your crypto, your gold, all that stuff is good. But here's a way to diversify into real estate without being the landlord or the homeowner. Okay, that's a very good point because in having those conversations, they may move some money around to be able to do more deals when they see what the business model is or when they see a return on investment or when they um, do a couple deals with you, it goes well. And now they're thinking, hmm, what else can I liquidate to be able to keep this moving and do three more, four more, 10 more deals like this. So having that conversation leads to potentially other opportunities because if they have it over at, at a in an IRA mm -hmm. and it's making 4% and with you, they're making 8%, well, how do we liquidate that IRA and do a couple more deals? Yeah. And that's how it usually goes, right? Usually a brand new investor is comfortable giving you a, a portion, right? They might say, hey, I have a million bucks that I'm looking to diversify with. Maybe they'll give you 250 the first time, right? Then after a few months, hey, this looks good. They'll throw on maybe another 250, another 500,000, right? So they do want to see some kind of track record at first. You're not going to get that guy to give you his whole you know, allocation, right? But he'll give you a little bit. You do good by that. They'll keep adding on. I mean, we have guys right now that I know for a fact are moving money out of stocks, right? Just because you know, they have a lot of money. They've had a lot of money in stocks. They were able to run up the stock market, you know, last year. And they're just kind of seeing a little bit of weakness in it. And they're moving money from stocks, right, into investing it with us to buy more properties. 100%. So now the rules of the game, the terms, that is where a lot of people get confused. This is where there's a lot of uh, differentiating uh terms and options at the end of the day hard money and private money is not your typical bank conventional investor loan so the rules can change <laughs> the rules are different the terms nine out of ten times are negotiable um it depends i mean someone like me i may not negotiate what my credit box is and it's not because I can't, it's because I choose not to. Or it, it depends. Maybe I have 10 investors and we've promised them XYZ type of deals. So I'm using you know, their money to run it through our institution. And we have our own credit box and we need to honor our agreements. And we have a certain risk threshold. Um, with private money, guys, if they are lending their own money, those tend to be a lot more flexible and you can negotiate. So the first thing you got to take away from this is this isn't a set cookie cutter situation. If you meet a hard money or a private money lender and they say, you got to give me 50% down and I'll put in the rest, that doesn't mean that that's the way hard money or private money works across the board. If they say, I'm going to lend it to you at 8%, that doesn't mean that all hard money is going to lend it to you at 8%. So mm -hmm. being able to um, 
kind of have your two or three top people that you know you go to every time you need something and then potentially building joint venture relationships with other people that are willing to partner with you and put their money and you do everything whether they want to know everything like jay said earlier or they're like look just give me my check per month and i'm good to go we're more like a silent partner those relationships um you can build as many of those as you want that happens I mean, we talked about it a thousand times in raising money those happen and just having those type of conversations of you know what are they doing for retirement what are they doing for passive income um and when you hear what people and their plans are and where they have investments and you start talking to them about the type of deals that we're doing that's when a lot of the times they start peaking interest and want to move their money around those you can have infinite relationships with now having the right relationships makes life easier less headaches because the ones that want to know everything sometimes it's okay <laughs> yeah definitely i mean we have you know we have some lenders who are just like hey we need fifty thousand. you know we'll give you 12 percent, and they'll just cut a check they don't care about any properties right for the for the majority our private lenders they know what we do but none of them are like where it's like hey here's the property here's the address you know here's the arv right our private lenders don't care about that our private lenders get a they get a overlook of what we do as a company right they believe in the company what we do they believe in us uh, more importantly and then we're good to go right and i would say that's the main difference probably between a private lender and a hard money lender right where a hard money lender is going to want to see they're more your asset-based lenders where they say hey we don't really care about your credit score as much we care about the property because if you don't pay us we get the property back right so that's the main thing with a hard money lender almost always they're going to want to see the property details where our private lenders just want to return, you know, and it's also a way where so because think about it, they, they might loan us two hundred fifty thousand dollars right today, and the way we do it is that might not be spent for thirty days, right? So I'm not calling them every time and say, hey, I'm using twenty five for this and seventy five for that house, right? They're loaning us two fifty. We're doing two things: we're paying a we're paying a rate of return on the unused funds, right, which is a smaller rate. So until those funds are used, it's a smaller rate. And when we use those funds, we're paying our eight to ten to twelve percent return, you know. And that's how we set up with our private lenders. So it's not where hey, we're calling every day. I got to get fifty-five thousand for this deal today, right? It's like no, I'm going to loan you two fifty at ten percent, and he's here are the terms. What's your typical rate that you pay for unused funds if they've already wired you the money, but you haven't put it in a property? Right now, we're we're doing like a basically what would be like a money market, right? So we're at like. 2% is what we're saying we'll pay, right? So it's basically, hey, if we're going to hold it. It's going to be somewhere near the prime market money rate, and we're going to go off of that. My private lenders, the relationships we've built is kind of like, are you interested? Yes. Can I have your commitment that when I call on you, you'll be ready to go? Yes. Obviously, I'm not going to sit on your commitment for six months and not send you anything because mm -hmm. you're going to find somewhere else to put your money. But if we have this conversation, and in six days or even three weeks i call you and say we got this deal this is what it is and you don't fund that's okay but realize that i'm probably not gonna call you again and again and again and keep giving you opportunities if you keep passing maybe you pass for a significant reason maybe you know it's all relationship hey listen uh 
I'm in the middle of something. I'll be liquid in a couple of weeks. Skip me on this one. Come back to me in three weeks and I'll be liquid because I'll sell whatever or I invested it or I lent it somewhere else. All right. We have a line of communication. I got a couple of other people I can call. No big deal. Um, I just personally don't like to collect money to just sit there. I don't like to have people's money. Uh, it just puts more pressure on me to have to place it. And I just like to say, all right, cool, Jory, you're in. You got about 300000 available. Cool. And I'll call you over the next couple of weeks and let you know when we have opportunities for you. And if they're serious, when we call, they're like, all right, let me know. Get one of the details. And then they fund it. Again, it just What's goes to what we're saying. No rules, no set way of doing it. It's just how you're able to create your relationships and your business model. Yeah. Yeah, it's what your lenders are comfortable with, who you're comfortable with, right? So we we use an escrow service for those funds to sit into until we until we go out and spend them, right? Um, you know, another another thing that we both will stress is you don't want to mix funds, right? When you get into private money, anything, right? You don't want to mix funds. So you don't want to like say, hey, I'm gonna put Kevin's funds and Jory's funds and this other guy's funds into an account, right? That's a big no-no. Don't you know? Don't mix. I'm not saying that you can't use Kevin's funds and my funds to fund the deal, right? As long as they know about it, but you definitely don't want to commingle funds into one account and just have it all sitting in there, right? So you want to have escrow accounts for each lender you have. You want to have that separated, right? Because even you could be a little guy doing a couple of deals here a year, but if there are there's SEC guidelines when you're raising money that you don't even know about that you can fall under. Yeah, definitely. When you're trying to peak interest, build relationships with people because that's really what they want. If it's a relationship, it's more like a partnership where if you're just posting on Facebook, I got a deal, uh, I'll give you 10% return on $100,000. There you could start building um, legal issues because you're not licensed to essentially raise capital. And there's different laws that you got to follow. But if you build a relationship with people, if you show people, hey, if you're interested in partnering on a deal with potential of earning 10% uh, on your money, let's talk. And then you have various conversations and you meet with them and you actually build a relationship and you can you know, document that, then that's a little different. Um, some of the terms. Yeah, let's get some of the terms for sure. Hard money is asset-based, meaning they care more about the property. Obviously, when they build relationship with a certain borrower that makes good decisions and keeps coming back, usually terms get better and better. That's why you want to go back to the people because they might start you off at a certain interest rate and certain points. Points is percentages. So if you pay two points, that means you're paying 2% of usually the loan amount that you're um, uh, borrowing. So you might pay three points the first deal you do with them. Then the second deal you may pay two and a half percent. Then the third deal you may pay two percent. Depends how often and how frequent um, you're doing deals with them. They'll give you better terms. You might start off at a 13 percent interest rate. And as you keep bringing them business often, you might work your way down to nine, eight percent, ten percent, something like that. So you save some money there. Um, after repair value, ARV—that's a big term that they're going to constantly ask you for. 
as is value, right? Sometimes we'll ask for the as is value. Correct. So that's a big thing because if you get in way over your head or if you get popped by the city and you didn't plan to get the city involved and now the city goes there and says this whole half of the house was never permitted this is all illegal it's not done correctly and now you're looking into a major drama and you're looking into money that you didn't have and now this deal is just not going to make sense and let's say you walk away from it literally without ever picking up a hammer or doing anything to it and you just say you know what i'm out the lender doesn't want to be in that for if they got to sell it as is what can mm -hmm. they sell it for and that's why mm -hmm. they get it as is value yeah definitely after repair value as is value construction draw or construction schedule meaning what's the budget and well, how are you going to run your construction we're going to paint we're going to do floors we're going to do kitchens we're going to do bathrooms we're going to you know that's your construction schedule what you're going to do when you're going to do it and how much is each uh going to cost you that's a common term in the game private money they're mostly asking for a return on investment um they care about the cash flow they care about the security you know yeah, security, security. yeah having their you know just so you know, when we're doing private money, usually we're going to do a note and mortgage with our private lender and that note and mortgage will be secured by the property, right? So it's actually on the property. So their backup is, hey, if we default, you get the property back, right? It's secured by that. Mm -hmm. um, right. A couple Assignment of terms. Mortgage, yeah, that's actually, way to also protect them. So I have a lot of assignments of mortgage because what if I have a heart attack or what if I get on a plane and, uh, and the plane goes down. What if I get in a car accident? And you know, what if, if the if the money was lent to my corporation, what protects them if, let's say I lend the money on a deal and I'm the bank on the deal, but Jory's really one of my investors. Jory might say, hey, listen, if something happens to you, how do I get my money back that I lent to you that then you put into this deal? Well, there's an assignment of mortgage that we both signed that gets recorded if I disappear. So he can then now step in and be the new bank. So that is if on some of the creative financing deals or when you're raising capital, um, depending on your partnership agreements, that's a, a popular creative technique that we get into in our creative financing. Um, uh, trainings and and on our partnerships, that is a, a common term, assignment of mortgage, meaning I'm assigning the loan over to someone else. And be clear that right, that's signed, but it's not recorded, right? So it's it's that's held with the title company or it's held with some with an attorney who then if something would happen to Kevin, remember when he says investor, he's saying, I hey Kevin, I got 50 grand, go find a deal for this, right? I'm the investor, he's the lender. And something would happen to Kevin that mortgage would transfer to me so I can still collect and do whatever needs to be done as the investor. Correct. Some of the other uh, terms you're hearing from, like, so personal guarantee, right? Um, a personal guarantee means, hey, right, I'm going to lend to the company, but some lenders may want a personal guarantee that says if something goes wrong, we can't get it from the company, we want to get it from you, right? That's, that's what a personal guarantee is. 
Yeah. And a lot of the times you're going to find people making sure you personally guarantee it because they want skin in the game. So they want your personal skin. <laughs> <laughs> Usually you're the, the one that's on your behind. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make sure, hey, listen, put it on the line. I'm putting my money on the line. Put your reputation, put your credit on the line, and we're in this together. And that's yeah, just we, how they look at it. If the deal's good and you have every intention in paying it back, then you sign the personal guarantee. As an investor, we would love to not have personal guarantees. But again, as a lender, from a lender's point of view, I definitely want a personal guarantee. So it's the kind of tug and pull. And if they ask for it from us, we give it, right? Because we're, we're we're giving you my word. I mean, there's no reason for me not to give it if I believe in my investment. Correct. Um, so loan to cost, right? There's loan to value, then there's loan to cost. Loan to cost is usually how much of a loan they're going to give to the cost of the property, the purchase price. So they might sit there and say, look, I'll loan to... 75% of the value and I'll do 80% loan to cost. And that's when sometimes it gets a little confusing because you're like, wait a minute, what? And that's usually when you're looking for construction money and you're looking for money to buy the property. So if someone tells you loan to cost 80%, that means if the purchase price is 100,000, they're going to want you to put 20% down. They're going to give you the other 80%. So they're, they're going to give you 80,000 at the day of closing. And then they're going to give you, uh, and then you're going to put the other $20,000. Yeah. But they're willing to go 75% loan to value. So if you now have $100,000 worth of repair and the property's worth 420000 that's a deal that right now me and Jay are working on. Well, then I'll give you uh, the rest of the construction, 100% of the construction, as long as it doesn't pass 75% of the value. In this case, if I'm buying it for 100 and I need to um, borrow 100,000, an extra 100,000 for construction, and the property's worth 420, 430, 75% of that covers both the purchase price and the construction. So we can get a loan for essentially $180,000. The $80,000 to buy it at loan to cost, and then $100,000 for construction, because it's under that 75% loan to value. And then the, the buyer would have to bring that 20,000, right? The 20% of the 100,000, Plus whatever closing costs is what they would bring. And then the, the, the deal there to close. Yep. Right. And then the construction draw gets held by the private lender or by the hard money lender, those $100,000. And then you start working on the property based off your construction schedule. And as you go finishing things, the way you laid it out on the schedule and turned it into them, so they're going off your schedule. Mm -hmm. You call for inspection, an inspector goes out there and deems it either 100% complete or 80% complete or 50% complete. Usually we'll charge you in about $200, $250 for the inspection. And if it's 100% complete, they will fund you 100% of the money they were holding on 
so that you can recover from your construction draw what you put in out of your own pocket. You get that money now back to you. And then now you have more liquidity to go do either more renovations on the same property or go get another property while you're finishing the project and you're selling the house. Why is that important to negotiate those terms and be able to consider that? I just spoke to somebody yesterday that they got into a property pre-pandemic, right? Like mm -hmm. March of last year. And they originally estimated six to eight months between plans, permit, construction, pandemic hit. They're selling now. So a year and, and, and a month later, they're under contract to sell to make a $60,000 profit. So their holding costs were an extra five, six months. Everything was a lot more time and money. They were able to get their construction money back and carry the holding costs. If they wouldn't have taken a construction draw and they would have just bought the property, $80,000 down pay, down, I'm sorry, $20,000 down, borrowed 80,000 and they would have used $100,000 of their own money to fix up the property and they would have been in this situation. Well then, now you got it's taking longer for whatever reasons, the city, the plans, the permits, you had to fire the contractor, get a new contractor. There's a thousand things that can go wrong. Yeah, they had no cushion. They had no cushion to protect for that rainy day event that happened, right? So that construction loan allowed them to have the cash that they had to be used to cover them to get them through. So that, yeah. was huge. that was huge. That was huge. Definitely. Yeah. So they got their construction money back and then they were able to hold on. And now they're selling it to recuperate all their money back and making $60,000 on it. So luckily they took the construction loan out. If not, they would have been in it for all their money and they wouldn't have been able to hold on to it. Now they default on the mortgage payment. They lose the deal. They lose the relationship with the, with the lender. And that's the name of the game here, guys. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, you messed up once with a lender. I mean, that's that's the whole point, right? Like you, I think the key to that too, Kevin, is you're saying, hey, don't get your first deal. Definitely, right? Try to get a deal, lock it up. But they had some reserves. <laughs> we always talk about reserves, right? Don't try to get a $300,000 loan with no reserves there because holding costs are a big deal. When you buy that house, you still have to pay that mortgage per month. And if anything goes wrong, there's holding costs, right? Construction always goes over your planned budget. So and anything you do in real estate, try to have a little bit of reserves on the side and you know, take care of you for rain day. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think I've gone over every single construction budget that I've had. I was to say, there's not one where you haven't. I mean, I don't, I never have. It's always gone over. And, and, and sometimes substantially over. Look, I just finished one last week. I went over $6,000. And then I have one that I've gone over $30,000. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it happens. Um, the whole key here is mindset behind this, right? When you're dealing with private money, I, you want to be optimistic. And I understand that, but you're trying to like, this guy still made $60,000 paying on the construction loan with the acquisition loan of it, the loan to cost and the construction. 
he still made sixty thousand dollars. If he would have been trying to make, let's say, eighty, and mm -hmm. he would have said, "No, I'm not going to take the construction loan because I want my loan amount to be less because I don't want to pay the holding costs," and I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to put all my money into it, and then he runs out of money to be able to hold on to it and loses the deal, all because he wanted to squeeze eighty out of sixty. Yeah, I go over my budgets. This thirty thousand dollar one, the six thousand dollar one, this and that. I've, I'm good no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Because the deal, I'm good. I don't put myself in a position that no matter how good or how bad it goes, I'm gonna be eliminated out of the game. Like mm -hmm. I make sure that I'm covered. That best case scenario or worst case scenario, I'm still good in the deal. Yeah. We talk about it a lot, you know, you never do a rehab flip and your only exit strategy is flip. That's all you can bank on because if something happens with that, you're stuck, right? So every deal, look at it and say, okay, if this doesn't happen, can I still, a lot of, everyone we do, right, Kevin? I can still rent this house out and make, you know, at least cover my payment or make a couple hundred bucks if I need to, right? That's just the way we're buying it. We're never going to buy a deal where if I can't flip it for this, I'm just stuck with a deal. That's a bad deal. Right. And we got a couple questions. Joe's asking us, how do you set up escrow for just funds for private money? So you can go through your title company, right? Or your attorney, right? Title companies and attorneys do it. So our title company will set up an escrow for each individual lender that we have. And then we'll just use, we'll just call them to release the funds, right? So uh, title companies, attorneys will do the same thing. Um, if you have a good risk with a title company, they'll probably do it for cheaper than your attorney will. But both, you know, you can do both, both avenues. We got real estate with bills asking, is that the same for a rental deal? Like if you got a buy and hold deal. So for a buy and hold, there is longer term private money deals. Like we got a really strong 30 year option and we'll go off of after repair value um, without making you be the owner for a year, like most traditional um, investment loans on the conventional or portfolio side but we don't allow renovations on those deals so what a lot of people do on the burr strategy is they'll first buy it with a bridge loan or a fix and flip loan you do the construction and all that like we just talked about and then what that usually you get about a year to two years max on that and then you'll refi it into one of these longer term 30 years. Once it's already fixed up, you got it rented. The value now is a lot higher because you fixed it up and you got it rented. And then you can go off the appraised value into some of these longer term. And what they care is still asset base, right? How good of a job did you do on the renovation? What's it worth right now? And what do you have it rented? We do right now, post pandemic, look at credit to make sure that the pandemic hasn't screwed you and you haven't, you know, if you haven't made any payments on your, on your credit lines and on your mortgages, then credit matters because it's obvious you're being affected financially with the pandemic. And now you're trying to do a deal. That's not going to make a lender very comfortable. So we do look at credit, but we mostly care on the buy and hold deals, what the value is and what do you have it rented for? Definitely. <clears throat> and that term we call debt service coverage ratio. So does it cover the debt 
essentially. That's what debt service coverage ratio means. So one to one or more, meaning if my mortgage is a, a thousand and my rent it to at least a thousand or more, or am I under a thousand? If you rented it for 800 bucks mm -hmm. and your mortgage is a thousand, now you got to pay $200 out of pocket. Now you're going to be scrutinized a lot more because do you have that money? Can you afford that? Does this deal even make sense? Why are you paying $200 out of pocket? Oh, because the value is going to go up or, you know, whatever the plan is, we got to hear it because it just doesn't make sense to get into a property that doesn't cash flow. That's good stuff. <clears throat> we got real estate with Bill. Where do I go to get info? You can reach out to us, myself and Jory. Let us know which private uh, loans you need. We got a lot of our network that listen to us that are submitting deals and we're offering uh, private money terms. So that's the benefit too, guys, of being part of the Shut Up and Invest family. Um, join the Facebook group. We fund your deals. Send us your deals. If you're looking for private money, we'll go ahead and take a look at it and we'll see if uh, if it makes sense. And you guys want to look at hard money loan terms? I was just sent. Yeah, of course, 100%. See, I, think that's, I think that's Chris. We can't see his name, but he did send me some harmony, some harmony terms a few days ago that I looked at. So if that's Chris, let us know. I can't see your name. It's just his Facebook user. Yeah, make sure you guys connect your Facebook if you're on the Facebook so that, that way we can see who you are. Um, send us your hard money loan terms. We'll look at it. We'll look at the property. We'll see if we can help you guys out there as well. Um, Joe's asking, have we have we lost any, have any of you lost a lender? Very good question. That is, I never lost a lender. I mean, you know, some of your lenders kind of phase out, right? Where they've <laughs> they've made their money and whatever cycle they wanted to do, then they kind of move on. Um, but as far as losing a lender, no. I mean, let's let's when you get a lender, especially a good lender, right? You do everything you can to take care of that lender, right? So like when you have your lenders that you're doing deals with. They're, they they come first, right? Our bottom line is, it matters, but if we have to take a sacrifice to make sure our lender gets paid, we're going to do that, you know? So always put your lenders first. Yeah. Um, losing a lender can happen out of your control, right? They might get out of the game. They might have lent all their money out. So now they're waiting to get paid back before they jump in. Um, they might be getting divorced. Like there's just so many things that can affect that so um it's not always on you and what you did right it's just life circumstances business models change so or they might just retire and get out of the game so a lot of uh, of those changes happen often now, there's a lot of guys that were lending money four or five years ago that they're not lending money right now for different reasons <laughs> um, i got there's a guy that just finished pitching me which i don't understand like just me, hey, you know, here's what we can do, and like, let's partner, and I know you have a large network, and let's do this, and let's do that, and we got lines of credit, and it'll be amazing, and you know, all right, cool. So after the pitch, hey, you mentioned the lines of credit, this and that. I actually have a couple of people interested. So oh well, right now we're not doing the lines of credit. Okay. So what just, are you doing? Well, right now we're not doing anything. <laughs> like, why, why did we? Why did you pitch me? Like, get back in the game, call me, and once you're ready to go, then you pitch me. But if you're not ready to go, 
Why did I? Why did you call yeah, me? And wasting my time. My time. Yeah, wasting my time. Yep. So. Kevin, I mean, make sure that you vet your lenders too, right? I mean, make sure that your lenders are going to do what they say they're going to do because you have someone who says, hey, I, you know, I'm going to, I commit to 250 in two weeks. You got deals you're locking up, waiting for that 250 and it doesn't show up, right? You're in a situation. So make sure that your, your lenders are vetted. And if it's a new lender, don't go spending that money until that money's in your account, right? So that's the dangerous part about private money. I'm glad you brought that up. You guys got to, it's a trust factor on both ends because if they say, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm interested, but they're really pulling your chain and they're really not going to fund that deal or they're just giving you like, the, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Let me know. And you're putting a deposit down, non-refundable contract, and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this deal and you're promising and you're building relationships with the people involved in the deal and saying I'm in, and then that person doesn't come through with the money. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're tough. You're definitely tough. So, you know, we have some lenders who if they say it's coming in a week, it'll be in a week, right? I can trust them. We have other ones who it could be a first time you don't know. So I'm not going to go out there and put my name on the line with a lender who I don't know is going to you know, commit to the, to the role. So make sure that you're, you know, because there's a lot of – Again, end of the day, this is a relationship business, right? It's a relationship between you and the seller, you and your buyers, you and your lenders, title companies. Everybody's in this together, you know, as relationships. So make sure you're, you know, you're doing right by those. Yeah. All right, Jay. I think we covered a lot, and we kind of uh, gave the one on one on the differences between private money and hard money, and some of the different ways to look at it. If you guys have any questions, if you guys are dealing with private money, if you want us to look at it. Um, we'll tell you, listen, there's plenty of times that I'm like, that's a great deal. Take it. If they're really going to give you the money that cheap, like I have, what was, was it you, Jay, that I was talking to or someone else? Oh no, I think one of my other guys, um, they're going to give 95% of the money. They only got to put 5% down first time ever investor, 8% interest rate, paying <laughs> one point. No, you didn't tell me that yet. <laughs> All right. They are going to only make that brand new investor who's never done a deal before only put 5% down, is paying 8% interest rate, and they're only charging them one point. Sounds amazing. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you get that, take it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, last question, and we'll end with this. How do you get a hard money loan to do 100% funding? Hard money lender. Um, very good question. I've done, I've extended a hundred percent to a couple people. Uh, it's very simple. Offer them a percentage in the deal, offer them a joint venture option, because if they're just going to lend the money and you're just trying to pay them eight, 10, 12% on their money with no skin in the game, number one, you got to make them a lot of money first, right? Most of the time. Unless you find someone crazy enough that'll give you 100%, and I'm not saying they're not out there, but the ones that do just aren't experienced enough to know better. So that might be to your advantage. Yeah. And I would say that, and, and there's a key distinction. He said hard money lender, right? Because our private lenders are all 100%. Everyone I have is 100%, right? Because again, they're just loaning for a return. They're not loaning for property, right? The hard money lender is a little bit more difficult. So, but what Kevin said is true. 
I mean, to say, hey, I have a deal. Here's the deal. Here's the situation. I need $100,000. If you give me the $100,000, you get a piece of the deal. Plus, I'll pay the interest rate, right? And that's an easy way to usually get 100%. <clears throat> yeah. Or do a couple of deals, put skin in the game, make money, show them that you're responsible, show them that you pick good deals, show them that you bring them business, show them that you're loyal, and start having the discussions of, hey, how can I get better terms? Is there a way that we could work something out to get 100%? And see what they say. They may not even ask for a lot. Yep. Just ask. <laughs> right? It always starts with asking, right? And that should be the answer. Any question, how do you? Just ask and see what they say. Exactly. So, cool, All right, man. guys. Good show. Definitely, definitely. We will. Um, I see Chris had a question about the website, Kevin. That's the one who was trying to go into the link. It was getting an error. So I think we're, we're working on that. And uh, oh, I'm glad you reminded me. I got to follow up with that. that um, Cause that funny enough, it was happening. I think on Androids. But oh, now, see, there goes the Android hating it. Cause it was working perfectly <laughs> on my phone. So I don't understand what the problem is, but yeah, we'll look into that. Apple. And we'll message you directly. All right, cool. All right, guys. Hey, once again, thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining. Like, subscribe, share the podcast, keep spreading the knowledge. And as always, shut up and invest. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join the community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, Get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.